Greetings all and welcome to Where Shall I Begin? I'm Jay Gatling and this is the podcast where we share in some fantastic stories together. And so we have arrived at the end of season one. And we go out with the final part of my own story from my upcoming anthology from the Ten Galaxies. Thank you to everyone who's been here for every episode of Where Shall I Begin? It has been a pleasure to share these classic and not-so-classic tales with you over the past few weeks. Do keep an eye on this space, as when the time is right, I hope to bring Season 2 to you all in the future. But now it's time to find out whether the hunter can rescue his friend. So let's go put that kettle on, grab the perfect snack, and enjoy the closing part of a tale from the Ten Galaxies. This is the finale to The Hunter. This was a fantastic idea, quite possibly one of his best. He'd even say that it was his magnum opus. Yes, in fact he would say it was his magnum opus. The finest plan that was ever planned, meticulously thought out, every detail accounted for, utterly and completely unfailable. That was a word, wasn't it? Well, if it wasn't, it was now. He'd created it as well. What a day! The perfect plan, and he'd created a new word. But there was, of course, another word he wanted to see played out today. Defeat. Defeat of that blasted bounty hunter. He may have had legends follow him around like a deluded entourage, but Lucius knew the truth. That he was nothing more than a man. A man who just got lucky. Admittedly, quite regularly. But lucky all the same. He would have had to have been to have scuppered Lucius's plans so often. His plans were always so well thought out. No detail left unaccounted for. Flawless, he might even say. So it had to be luck. Luck was a variable no one could plan for after all. Luck was fickle, showing up when it was least welcome. Three times the hunter had been lucky when it came to Lucius's plans. The first time he had had the misfortune of meeting the notorious hunter was during a simple hostage situation in the 8th galaxy. The perfect galaxy for someone of his profession. A career accumulator who liked to challenge every now and then. He visited quite regularly, as it was one of the most wealthy galaxies in the universe. Every planet there was in the luxury class and thought they had the best security. Well, he had to prove that wrong. During this particular visit, he had had about a dozen hostages tied up and at gunpoint a bomb secretly set up to hide his eventual escape, and a list of demands that he thought were very reasonable. An armoured coach to get him to the spaceport, an S-class starship, the orbital defences to be shut down whilst he left the system, and of course, a small token of 10 billion units. You know, to cover expenses. It was all going flawlessly, as was planned. The local authorities were doing their best, bless them, to negotiate and bring the situation to a peaceful conclusion, and, as they hoped, to apprehend Lucius and his men. Of course, neither resolution would be allowed to come to pass if Lucius had his way, but that was not going to be the case, as he was about to soon find out. The first thing he knew about it was that one of his hired thugs had gone missing. 
Not too surprising, as there was always one who would try and run when things got too tough. He had accounted for this. But then, another disappeared. And another. Eventually, they had to try and find them. Lucius, of course, led the search, leaving a handful of men to guard the hostages and to make sure the planet guard didn't try anything foolish. They searched the entire building to no avail, eventually putting it down to pure cowardice on their part. Surely they must have run. Lucius really needed to try a new company for his hired muscle. But when they returned to the main hall, he was in for a shock. All the men he had left to guard the room were unconscious on the floor, and all the hostages they were supposed to be guarding were gone. Before they could react, all the lights went out, and Lucius could hear fists hitting bodies and the sound of bodies hitting the ground. As quickly as he could, Lucius had removed the detonator from his pocket and pressed the button. The resulting explosion was deafening. He was closer to it than he thought, but the fire now lit the room, and there in the middle of the hall Lucius could see his men on the ground and only one figure left standing, silhouetted against the flames. His back was to him, but the silhouetted man looked over his shoulder directly at Lucius through a pair of white eyes. A mask, surely, but he wasn't going to stick around to find out. This wasn't over, and he needed his freedom to be able to enact his revenge. Lucius made a run for the newly made hole in the wall, which, if his calculations were correct, and why wouldn't they be, would be a clear run to a nearby manhole cover. As he moved, the silhouette moved as well, faster than him, and was at the hole in the wall blocking his way before he could blink. On pure instinct, he raised his automatic weapon and let rip with a hail of bullets at the shadowy figure. Now, he wasn't sure if it was his slightly, only slightly, mind you, panicked mind, or whether this actually happened. But he must have fired over a hundred bullets in less than a second, and the hunter dodged every one of them whilst barely moving from the position that blocked Lucius's escape. How in Hades did he dodge that many bullets that fast? This wasn't some retro sci-fi movie about people in a computer, for God's sakes. This was real life, and this guy just pulled off something that most would consider impossible. Well, now was not the time to think about it. Now was the time for action. It was time for Plan B. A plan he was hoping he wouldn't have had to instigate, but here he was, in a supremely tight corner, and with no intention of letting this psycho win. He rapidly changed his direction and fled back into the building. No, not fled, tactically retreated. Yes, that worked. He didn't need to look back to know that the hunter was on his tail, so he acted as fast as he could. He removed a small device from his belt. It looked much like a grenade, but in actuality was a portal generator. Well, that's what he called it just to settle his mind if the time ever came to use it, which it had. It was, in point of fact, a black hole generator, which in theory should propel him to some random point in the universe, a last-ditch escape route. The problem was, this was truly random. He could appear in some field in an A-class planet, or be sucked into the middle of space. He, of course, had plans for both eventualities. The one he did not, could not, was that it was just as likely to crush him into a small ball. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea after all. There had to be another way out. He felt a hand brush past the back of his neck. On further instinct, he threw the black hole uh, portal generator and dove into the resulting event horizon. The fact that he woke up meant that he had not been crushed into a small ball, but neither was he on a luscious green field or in the middle of empty space. Where he did appear, he did not want to talk about 
and he killed anyone who brought it up. But needless to say, it took months to clean out the smell. The second time, he was trying his hand as an assassin, and as was the case in all his endeavours, he was garnering quite the reputation with his success rate. He was on a job to take down a rather high-profile fast food mogul, and part of the contract had been to make it as public and bloody as possible. Nah, his specialty. The mogul was due to reveal a new burger made out of a new breed of Antarin bovine, and Lucius had the genius idea of slipping a small explosive into his latest creation and to set it off after he had taken a bite. He had managed to forge an invite for the event that would get him in, which of course worked flawlessly. He slipped past the guards completely unnoticed. Once inside, he was able to easily make his way to the burger in question and inserted his explosive. Now it was only a matter of waiting until the target had had his fill. His final fill. Lucius enjoyed the party waiting for the inevitable moment, partaking in the food and drink. Much better than the burgers that this company shoveled out to the masses and endured the company of some of the other guests, regaling them with his contrived backstory if asked. Lord Lucius of the Ninth Galaxy, with several estates and a unicorn. Well, one day it would be true. Finally, the moment came and the presentation began. The mogul bored them all with a speech that was designed to inspire the investors there present, that this was the next great thing in burgers and it would make them all a lot of money. Well. One thing was for sure, this evening would make Lucius a heck of a lot of money. The mogul raised the burger up for all to see, like it was the holy flippin' grail, then took a large chunk out of it as the crowd cheered. Lucius smiled, and savoured the moment just as the mogul savoured his final meal. He pressed the button he had hidden in his golden ring, and turned to walk away. But something was wrong. There was no explosion, no sounds of screams and running feet as people tried to escape the horror that was supposed to be presented to them. No, instead all proceeded as normal. He turned back round to find the mogul finishing his burger and then the rest of his speech. Was it the wrong burger? Had he not set the explosive correctly? Was there Wi-Fi interference? He hated when that happened. He pressed the button again and again to no avail. With gritted teeth, he moved over to a nearby storage cupboard and began Plan B. Secreted within days before, he had a plasma pistol, the kind that melted flesh. His client would have their spectacle. He prided himself on that. He shouted out the name of the fast food mogul to gain his attention and that of the crowd. He followed it up with a speech of his own. He couldn't remember what he said, but he was sure it was very clever, witty and threatening. Probably mentioned how rubbish his burgers were, too. But before he could pull the trigger and complete the contract, a shuriken, of all things, came flying out of nowhere and embedded itself in his wrist. The crowd, who, up to this point, had been enraptured by his presence, now began to scream and run. He looked up from where the shuriken had come from, and there, perched on one of the rafters like some kind of cut-price ninja, was the hunter materialising out of the ether as his camouflage unit deactivated. With a string of curses flying from his mouth, Lucius made for his escape route and attempted to lose himself in the crowd. But it was not to be, as this time the hunter was not alone, and as he exited the building he was struck down by one of the hunter's associates, the Angel, 
another ludicrous moniker for another ludicrous little man who stood there with his long black coat fluttering in the wind and a sword pointed at Lucius's throat. But he too had heard the stories of these supposed heroes and knew that, unless left with no other choice, the angel did not kill. So he brought up the plasma pistol and fired point-blank at him. The plasma struck him square in the chest and began its acidic work. Lucius didn't stick around to see if it would kill him. Knowing what was possible with these people, frustratingly probably not, but it gave him the opportunity to escape. He jumped to his feet and ran for his car, which he had had hidden in the nearby woodland. Though just as he reached the door, there was a loud thud on the roof and a sharp strike to his head, which knocked him to the ground. Through fuzzy and fogged eyes, he looked up and saw, now perched on the roof of his car, the hunter. And, stepping out from the shadows, a burn mark upon his chest, but otherwise unharmed, the angel. It was at this point that all strength left Lucius, and unconsciousness claimed him. The third and last time was whilst he was on the run from a stay in a max security prison. A stay that was thanks to his previous activities as said assassin. He was sure the hunter had got a tidy sum for his capture. Regardless, he stayed there only as long as was necessary, and then pieced together all that was required for his escape. It did mean helping his cellmates out as well, but they would make good human shields if it came to that, so he didn't overly mind them tagging along. The prison itself was built into the side of a rather large asteroid that orbited a planet whose molten core had erupted across the surface centuries ago, making the place most inhospitable. An extreme amount of gear was required just to step off any ship that landed there and generally the guards were only there as briefly as possible as they dropped off certain prisoners, without the required gear. So the escape meant commandeering one of the guards' cruisers to be able to get them to the nearest planet that wasn't covered in leg-melting molten lava, and from where they could go their separate ways and get on with their lives. Lucius, of course, was the one who came up with the plan for this daring endeavour. He could hardly expect his fellow escapees to do so now, could he? They barely had a brain cell to rub between them. The plan was a simple one. They would pretend that one of them was ill, and when the guard came in, the others would take him out, after which Lucius would don the guard's uniform and escort the others to the cruisers. Brilliant, if he did say so himself, and completely original. No one else could have ever come up with it. That he was sure of. The first part of the plan went off without a hitch. Bax feigned illness, and when the guard came in, himself and Vicanier choked the man out. But there was a slight problem. The guard was massive, and his uniform on Lucius was like a toddler wearing his father's clothes. So he had to adjust the plan going forward and entrust his life to Vicanier, the biggest of them. The next few minutes were the most gut-wrenching in his life, as Vicanier barely spoke a word of galactic speech and if they were stopped for any reason, their ruse would be quickly discovered. But that day, Lady Luck was on their side, and they made it to the cruisers without incident. They escaped the prison and were on their way to freedom. Now all they had to do was endure a few more hours of each other's company, and then they would reach Planetside and go their separate ways. Of course, that was when Lady Luck kicked them squarely in the family jewels as upon attempting to engage the subspace drive that would get them to the nearest habitable planet, they found that it was not functioning. At all. Not even a splutter that would jump them a couple of light years ahead. This explained why the cruiser had been so easy to hijack, 
why there had been no guard whatsoever. Well, except for that one guy who Rickinier had promptly killed and dumped in the incinerator to hide their getaway tracks, who, now Lucius thought about it, was probably the mechanic fixing this thing. Which of course meant, unless one of them could fix it, it would take weeks, maybe even months, to reach the next planet in the system that would sustain life. And could one of them fix it? No. They were all of them career criminals, not mechanical engineers. Unlike the guy, who was now Ash. Two weeks passed, and there was good news and bad news. The good was there was a food and drink replicator on board, and thanks to Lucius's hacking skills, it would provide anything they wanted, so sustenance wasn't a problem. The bad, this cruiser was meant for short trips, which meant there were no washing facilities available, and hygiene was becoming a problem. And Lucius was not enjoying going to the bathroom in the airlock. All it took was one of those lugheads to hit the wrong button whilst he was in there, and it was curtains for him. But, on the third week, they were intercepted by another ship. At first, they thought their luck had changed. All they had to do was send out the SOS signal, get picked up, and then hijack the new ship. Maybe even get some high-profile hostages in the process if they were lucky. But, if Lucius had learned anything from this trip, it was that luck was extremely fickle and prejudiced towards the type of men that currently resided in this cruiser. Upon scanning the other ship's ID tag, they found it to be Vortex, a ship that was known to belong to the infamous Bounty Hunter. Once this was discovered, they gunned it and tried to outrun the enemy craft. But it was a fruitless effort. Vortex was a high-grade A-class starship, able to jump multiple systems in one warp and armed to the teeth with all manner of defensive weaponry and high-tech gadgetry. The chase was the equivalent of a sports car chasing down a people carrier that only had two wheels. It wasn't long before Vortex's tractor beam grabbed hold of them and pulled the cruiser into the ship's hangar. Lucius thought quickly, as he knew that the hunter and whoever else resided on this ship would be waiting for them to exit. So he threw together a plan. Vikinir was to jump out and immediately attack, causing confusion and hopefully a great deal of pain. Bax was to support him with as much firepower as they had available to them, and Lucius was to do the same. They all stood at the airlock, Bax and Vikinir at the front, Lucius behind. The airlocks opened and the plan was put into action. Vikinir jumped out and let loose like a man possessed, and Bax opened fire. Lucius, on the other hand, enacted his real plan, and with the beautiful distraction that those two fools had provided, he slipped out through a small maintenance shaft in the cockpit and commandeered a small escape craft but not before he had hacked the ship's mainframe and downloaded its floor plan, as well as giving him clearance to leave. He decompressed the whole hangar on his way out as well, with the hope of killing everyone inside. As he flew off, he saw the bodies of Vikinir and Bax fly past his cockpit window, but no others, which he could only surmise meant that the hunter had survived. Well, it was a long shot after all, a spur-of-the-moment action to see if Lady Luck was with him at all. But, as it turned out, she was still blowing raspberries in his general direction. But now, he had the makings of a plan. A plan for revenge, and a way to finally rid the ten galaxies of that blasted bounty hunter once and for all. After he disabled the obvious tracking device, he set the subspace drive to take him to the next system over, and to a planet he was familiar with. A place where he could begin preparations. That plan had changed many times since then, 
Each and every time he came up with a devious method to eradicate the hunter, he would discover a fatal flaw in the design, and he would not tolerate any flaws. It had to be perfect. Eventually he came to the realisation that all the plots up to this point had revolved around the fact that he had the blueprints to the hunter's ship, allowing a certain level of freedom when navigating it and providing opportunities to kill him where he lived. But there were two problems with these plans that kept cropping up. One, it wasn't very dramatic or reputation-making to kill him in his sleep, in a place that no one else would see it. And two, it was very much on the hunter's home turf, and that raised all manner of unquantifiable problems into the workings of every plan. Lucius was just about ready to give up when he learned some interesting information at a bar one night. The identity, location, and ease of procurement of the hunter's best friend, and the concept that, if said friend came to harm, then the bounty hunter would lose all control and be easily taken care of. As everyone knew that when the hunter went berserk, though dangerous, he was far easier to deal with if only for the fact that he could be hurt permanently. That innate healing factor always put a spanner in the works when it came to assassination. So this new plan formed in his mind almost instantly, each piece falling into place like the perfect jigsaw, not a flaw or gap in sight. It was perfect and infallible. He went to work immediately gathering the pieces together and setting the plan into action. First, he had to hire a group of henchmen, the last few companies he used weren't up to scratch, and he had been sure to leave negative reviews on the appropriate forums. So, he tried a new one that a few of his colleagues had had success with. He then tasked them with the kidnapping operation. They were to sneak aboard Vortex, steal away the friend, and bring them back to a location that Lucius would have control of. Oh, and to leave just enough evidence of who they were and where they went for the hunter to follow. But not enough to be obvious. He needed the hunter to be exhausted from a long chase before he faced him. He, in the meantime, would set up the trap and then wait for his guest. The first part of the plan went off without a hitch. This group of mercs were proving to live up to their reputation. Lucius had the friend in his possession and prepared for the hunter's arrival. All he had to do now was watch and wait. He kept an ear to the ground, listening to the underworld grapevine, and taking note every time someone was questioned about Elijah and his whereabouts. Again, Lucius had prepped those who would have the info that the hunter required to find his quarry, and he smiled each time he heard that one of those breadcrumbs had been picked up. All was going exactly as planned, and nothing, nothing would prevent him from annihilating that wretched bounty hunter known as Slicer. Three weeks passed, and the time finally arrived. This, of course, was not the first time that he had been rendered unconscious. It was an unfortunate eventuality in his line of work. I mean, it could always be worse. He could be dead. But, all that aside, Barry never got used to the feeling in his head after he woke up. Depending on the initial blow and how long he was out for would affect the ferocity of the aftermath, but the effects were always ferocious. Worse than the morning after a heavy night out on the town, and with none of the enjoyment that came before. Just a huge lump on his head and a ringing in his ears that probably wouldn't subside for a few days. All he wanted right now was a nice hot cup of tea and a lie down in a dark room. But that would have to wait, annoyingly, as the inevitable had happened. The compound's alarm was blaring, just as the hunter had promised. He really didn't want to respond. He really didn't want to go and deal with this guy again. 
But if he wanted his bonus for this job, he would have to. And it was a hefty bonus. Quite the motivator. He looked over to check on Frank, who appeared to still be out cold. Of course, he could be pretending. Barry gave him a swift kick to the side to make sure. No response. Just another quick kick to make doubly sure. Nope, nothing. Frank was alive, but out colder than a freezer. So Barry left him there and hurried, in a leisurely fashion, to the compound's main room, where he knew Lucius Lakefield was waiting for his guest. When he arrived, he found Lucius standing at one end of the large open space. What was once a warehouse, now cleared of all extraneous materials and turned into a sort of arena, with four large metal poles marking out the corners of an area in the middle of the room. Lucius stood between two of these poles. Around the edge of the room and on the balconies with himself were the rest of Barry's colleagues, all with weapons raised and pointed at the other figure in the room, who stood just outside the other two poles, the hunter. If Barry didn't know better, then he would say that the guy was outnumbered. But Barry did know better. With a subtle command from their officer, no more than a click of the mouth that echoed around the room, each and every merc powered up their rifles. The sound of a hundred plasma rifles warming up was ear-piercing, and did nothing to help the ringing in Barry's ears. And that was when Lucius Lakefield raised his hand, and then his voice. No! Lower your weapons, gentlemen. The hunter is mine. Your role is to bear witness as I finally rid the ten galaxies of this pathetic excuse for a hero. Each merc gave the guy next to them a look that said, What is this guy on? And then did as they were told and stood at ease, ready and waiting to see the inevitable fireworks. Lucius spoke again, this time to the hunter. Finally, finally I have you where I want you. Square in my sights and ready to die and for your reputation to be torn asunder. I'm sorry, do I know you? There was a sharp intake of breath from the gathered mercs as the colour fell from Lucius's face. There he was, all ready to take on the hunter as his self-proclaimed nemesis, and the guy didn't even recognise him. Barry could see from Lakefield's face that he was not expecting that response. Who am I? I am Lucius Lucius Lakefield. Yeah, that I know. In fact, it's all anyone could talk about in the bars. The bars? Oh, of course. You mean those loyal friends of mine from the criminal underworld? Those whom you tortured for the information you needed to find your way here? Yes. They too I will avenge. You will torment us no longer. No, no. I didn't have to torture anyone. Actually, it was a good night out. They may be criminals, but they know how to have a good time. I'll give them that. No. If I was going to torture them, it would have been to get them to stop talking about you. It was Lucius Legfield has finally outdone himself. Lucius Legfield and his utterly ridiculous plans. Lucius Legfield thinks he has the hunter over a barrel. Hey, did you hear that Lucius Legfield has taken over the old storage compound up the street? Lucius's jaw had dropped. Clearly this was not the way he had thought this encounter was going to go. And the giggles Barry could hear from the gathered mercs probably wasn't helping matters. As quick as he could, which honestly wasn't that quick, Lakefield regained what little composure he had left and tried again. Then you shall never forget the name then. The name of the man you have foiled for the last time. You mean I've foiled you before? 
But yes, a few times before. Wow, I'm sorry, this is embarrassing. I don't usually forget the people I punch. I mean, half the mercs in this room I'm on first name terms with. I mean, there's Terrence over there, Sid over there, and Barry's up there. Where's Frank? Barry's still unconscious. Barry couldn't help but nod and feel a little sense of pride that the hunter remembered him. They are nothing but hired help. I am the man who almost assassinated the fast food mogul Lord Herence MacDonald at his own party. You were a burger bomb guy, exclaimed the hunter. Wow, I had completely forgotten all about that. Well, you prevented the ultimate heist of Malkras in the Eighth Galaxy, my masterpiece. Oh yeah, you're the idiot that dove into a miniature black hole. Honestly, I thought you were minced meat. I'm really a masterpiece? It was a small backwater bank rent the guards for security. I could have robbed it with a banana if I was so inclined. Lucius has started doing that thing with his mouth that fish in a goldfish bowl do as they aimlessly swim about in a circle. Eventually, he shook his head and continued, regardless of the laughter that was growing around him with each misstep. None of that is important. No matter how you found me, you are here because I have something you want, and that bait has brought you into my trap. Is it really a trap if I knew what I was walking into? I mean, silence, you insolent pup! Did you really just say that? I mean, I've got a friend who is an actual knight from a land of magic and goblins where they practically speak in Shakespearean verse, and even he would never say that. You really need some new material. I said shut it. You see, now that's more you. Enough! It is time for me to finish you. But perhaps you need some more motivation. This will show you how serious I am. Pay attention to the cage, Slicer. Lucius pointed at the cage behind him that contained Elijah, the hunter's best friend. Say goodbye while you still can. And with a certain degree of flourish, he removed a detonator from his belt and without a second thought pressed the button. The mercs that lined the room all hit the ground in preparation for the inevitable explosion. The inevitable explosion that never came. The triumphant look that was on Lucius's face slowly faded to be replaced by confusion, that then quickly transitioned into panic as he pressed the button again and again and again. Why isn't it working? Oh, were you expecting some sort of horrific explosion, completely obliterating my friend and sending me into a mindless frenzy allowing you to take me down with relative ease? Well, something like that, yes. Yeah, not gonna happen. You see, unlike you, I know my weaknesses and know how to deal with them, if not circumvent them altogether. So before I faced you head on, I took a few moments to recon the room and found your little trap, and as we've already established thanks to your burger bomb, defusal is within my skill set. But, 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 my plan, it was flawless, infallible. <laughs> I think we can all see that that's not the case. Barry thought that at this point, Lakefield would give it all up and most likely go cry in a corner. Nothing was coming together as he had hoped, short of actually getting the hunter here. But instead, his face hardened. A look of anger and threat spread across his features, something that Barry didn't actually think he was capable of, so fair dues to the guy. No, this will not be allowed to stand. I will not be defeated by you again. 
Today you will die, hunter, and it will be by my hand. Berserk or not, you will face me. Lucius took a step into the square created by the four metal poles. Face me, hunter. If you win, you are free to go with your friend, and none here will stop you. But no, I have no intention of letting you leave alive. The hunter now entered the square also and drew his sword. Ah, 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 no, no weapons. You wouldn't want to kill me, after all. What now, Lucius? Your plans are starting to grate on me. I can only assume that you didn't escape your friend earlier because of a certain wire on the cage that you didn't understand, even though bomb disposal is in your skill set. Even though he still wore his mask, the hunter's body language showed that he was waiting to listen rather than to strike. He had found something that he didn't understand on the cage and wasn't willing to muck with. You see, I always plan ahead. My heart is connected to an electrical generator attached to that cage, and should my heart stop, then the generator will pump enough of an electrical charge through the cage that I should think that little Elijah's body will probably explode from it. So I suggest, Hunter, that you disarm and take me on like a man. The Hunter paused for a moment, his body tense and ready to strike. But eventually... He eased and lowered his sword to the ground, unclipped the belt that held a selection of throwing knives and placed them down also. And the dimensional pocket, said Lucius. The hunter complied and removed a small box from his side as well and deactivated it before putting that down into the pile at his feet. Finally, he removed his mask and threw that to the ground and stepped further into the square arena. As he did, the metal poles activated and a wall of purple energy sprang up around the two men, securing them inside. The hunter calmly looked about him. Alundran energy? Not deadly, but will sure give you a shock, said Slicer. Enough talk! Have! Before Lucius could finish the sentence, the hunter struck and struck hard. The first strike sent Lakefield reeling backwards, and he almost fell into the energy field but he managed to regain his footing before that. Now he was already on the back foot. He circled and defended as best as he could as the hunter continued his onslaught. He pushed his advantage, throwing punches and kicks mixed with feigns, making it almost impossible to guess what he was about to do next. To his credit, Lucius was just about holding his own, blocking what he could, deflecting other attacks, and taking what hits he had to. Suddenly, whether by skill or plain luck, Lucius struck back and got through the hunter's onslaught, and caught him square in the jaw. It rocked the hunter's head back and he stepped back, creating some space between them as he re-evaluated his offensive. Lakefield took hold of his newly created advantage and began his attack. He struck with fists, feet, elbows and knees. He was a flurry of limbs flying at the hunter. Barry gave him this. The guy was no slouch. There was some skill there. He clearly had some training and a vague idea of what he was doing. Don't get him wrong though, it was still sloppy, with so many mistakes that the hunter could have taken advantage of. Instead though, he merely defended, backing off and circling when he got too close to the edge of the arena. This went on for a while longer, and Barry started to wonder whether that hit to the head had been harder than he thought, dazing the hunter to the point where he could only defend. But this theory was soon put to rest. Lucius continued his attack until eventually the hunter... Slicer responded ferociously. 
He caught one of the punches thrown by Lucius and then manipulated it so they had his arm in a lock and without blinking, he broke Lucius's arm. Lucius let out a scream of pain, one that seemed awfully high-pitched, and backed off. Now the hunter merely walked slowly towards his opponent, a move that Barry thought far more threatening than continuing to attack. It exhibited a sense of confidence and threat that only those who knew they had their enemy defeated could exude. Lucius continued to back away, his left arm hanging uselessly at his side. Then Barry saw him eye up the hunter's weapons on the far side of the arena, which he then made a beeline for. Slicer still slowly walked towards him. Lucius made it to the belt that contained the throwing knives, and with his good arm removed one blade and cast it at the hunter. Everything then seemed to move in slow motion for all in the room, as the knife sailed towards Slicer's chest. Had he done it? Had Lucius Lakefield, whether out of luck, skill, or perhaps even a mix of the two, managed to kill the hunter with his own weapon to boot? What happened next was not in slow motion, but at inhuman speed. One moment he was walking towards the injured Lucius, but as that blade flew towards him, every muscle reacted, and he not only dodged out of the way of the projectile, but grabbed it out of the air and threw it back with unerring accuracy. Every merc gathered wondered where the blade had gone. Another high-pitched scream soon told them. It was lodged in Lakefield's leg. It's over, Lucius. Give me Elijah, and I'll be on my way. Never. This isn't over. I will defeat you. Lucius, you've only got one working leg and arm. Ah, it's just a flesh wound. Lakefield charged again. Well, charge was maybe a little ambitious. Lakefield hobbled towards the hunter with another knife in his hand and attempted to stab at his enemy. But all Slicer had to do was step slightly out of range and then push. This sent Lakefield tumbling backwards into the energy field. As Slicer had said, it wasn't enough to kill Lucius, but it was enough to knock him out and shut down the metal poles. Slowly and quietly, the hunter retrieved his gear from the floor, re-equipped it, and then slipped back on his mask. He then turned his attention to the mercs who were gathered around, thoroughly enjoying the spectacle that had played out before them. Do any of you know how to turn off the electrical generator attached to that cage? Barry sheepishly raised his hand. Yeah, I helped set it up. Then unset it, said Slicer. Barry made his way down and deactivated the trap set by Lucius Lakefield, which allowed Slicer to pick up the cage and leave. Not that he could be sure, but Barry thought that he heard the hunter whisper to Elijah, I'm so sorry for this, my little friend. I'll make sure it never happens again. You okay? Tell you what, I'll get you a nice snack when we get back to the ship. Yes, I will. And then he was gone, leaving another unconscious criminal and a group of mercs with a story that no one would ever believe. That the infamous hunter, the legendary Slicer, trekked across the ten galaxies to save his best friend, the space hamster, Elijah. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Where Shall I Begin? And that brings it all to a close. 
Once again, thank you so much for joining me for this season of the show, and I hope you enjoyed this unique final story written by yours truly. Do let me know your thoughts on the tale by heading over to my Facebook page, Jay Gatling, voiceover artist, and leaving a comment. I hope to bring season two at some point in the future, so do watch this space. But all the episodes of season one will always be available to re-listen to if the mood takes you, or perhaps you'd like to share it with your friends. Otherwise, that is it for now. Folks, I'm Jay Gatling, and you've been listening to Where Shall I Begin? Thanks again, and bye for now. Bye.